0: You're listening to Stream of Conscience, Beckett's Religious Liberty Podcast. Today's episode is rites and recitations. I'm Hannah Smith, Senior Counsel at Beckett. And I'm Katie Geary, a Beckett Fellow. Today, we're talking about the words One Nation Under God and how those words answer a foundational question. Where do our rights come from? It's a story about the Pledge of Allegiance and a lawsuit, actually
1: several lawsuits, filed by atheists.
0: And their goal was to strip the public square of any reference to God or religion.
1: But they didn't count on an unlikely defender of religious liberty, a high school senior. You may be wondering, what does the Pledge of Allegiance have to do with the source of our rights? The short answer
0: is everything. The more in-depth answer requires a little more explanation.
2: It actually goes back even further than the founding of our country.
0: That's
1: Eric Rosbach, Deputy General Counsel at Beckett. Eric's the resident expert on all our
0: pledge cases. The pledge first came about in the late 1800s. Then, like now, America was basically many groups of immigrants. The Pledge was supposed to be a unifying statement, something that could bring everyone together and make us all American. Over the next half century, the Pledge went through several
1: versions.
2: Ready? Begin. I pledge allegiance to my Pledge. From the late 1800s until 1954, the the Pledge went through several different changes in terms of its uh, wording. And it was only in 1954 that we got to the final version, which we have today, and most people have grown up speaking.
0: As a statement, the Pledge of Allegiance is foundational to our understanding of liberty. Most of us wouldn't think of the Pledge as controversial,
1: but for some, it is. Because of two words, under God.
3: One nation, under God. Growing up, I was raised, my siblings and I were raised, to stand up for what we believe in.
0: That's Samantha Jones.
3: Because of what I believe in, I'm not going to sit down and just let people take away this right that everyone deserves.
1: When Samantha and Beckett became a team, she was a senior in high
0: school, and she was unusual. Because Samantha decided she was willing to do something very intimidating. She was willing to stand up for her right to say the pledge.
1: Her case was the latest in a series that started in 2000. So before we get to Samantha's story, we have to start at the beginning, with a case in California started by a man named Mike Newdow.
2: He said it's illegal to have my daughter have to listen to other kids say under God and the Pledge of Allegiance.
0: Now, since the 1940s, the Supreme Court has affirmed that no one can be forced to say the Pledge of Allegiance against their will. And that wasn't happening to Michael Newdow's daughter. His daughter went to an ordinary school where like in most schools, most of the kids recite the pledge.
2: So the question here was, can she be forced to listen to other people exercising their conscience to say, One Nation Under God?
0: So
1: Dr. Nudo brings this first case where he sues his daughter's school district in the federal district court, and he loses. But then he appeals it to the Ninth Circuit.
2: And that was when the lightning bolt struck, and the Ninth Circuit actually ruled that the words under God were unconstitutional and violated the Establishment Clause of the United States Constitution.
0: The First Amendment reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And what the Ninth Circuit said
1: was, by saying God in the Pledge, It's like asserting God's existence, and it's a
0: religious statement. The problem is the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance don't establish a religion, so the school appealed the Ninth Circuit's decision to the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court didn't decide the case on the merits because of a technicality called standing. See, it turned out that Dr. Newdow didn't have custody of his daughter. Her mother, who did
1: have custody, had no problem with the Pledge of Allegiance, so the Supreme Court said he doesn't have
0: standing.
2: So the whole case will go away. So they never, as you say, they never reached the merits of the question.
0: But the case didn't go away. Newdell found a group of parents that did have custody of their children and who agreed with him, and they sued again. So back the case went to the Ninth Circuit.
2: So we actually asked on behalf of our clients to become defendants in a lawsuit, and We sued on behalf of the Knights of Columbus, who had originally suggested putting the words under God into the pledge, and also some families that wanted to keep saying the pledge. They viewed it as part of the curriculum of the public school that their kids were going to, and they didn't want that shut down.
1: The Knights of Columbus is a Catholic men's organization, and I can already see what
0: you're asking. How on earth did they get involved in the pledge? Well, this is where we really get to the whole question at hand. Why are the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, and what do they really mean? In the early 1950s, the Knights of Columbus asked Congress to add the words under God to the pledge, which previously had no such reference. And interestingly, the
1: choice to include these two words stems from the Cold War.
2: The reason the Knights suggested it, and then President Eisenhower thought it was a good idea, and then Congress ultimately adopted it, was that it drew a distinction between the nature of rights in our system, our American Western system, and the Soviet system.
0: The fundamental difference between the American and Soviet systems was where they believed human rights come from. The Soviet communist system said that rights come from the state. The American system and natural law says no, rights come from something outside, something higher than the state, something many people call God. And that's not a trivial distinction. Not at all. Because if your rights come from the state, that means the state chooses your rights. And it means.
2: What the state gives, the state can take away.
1: The American system, though, guarantees that some rights are beyond
0: the scope of the state. And that, that is freedom. The idea that our rights come from a source higher than the government didn't just develop in 1950s America. It's an idea that has deep historical roots.
1: The words under God were used in English law to show that even the king was subject to the law, the natural law, that comes from, quote,
0: God, or something outside and above the king. That idea underlies the American Declaration of Independence.
2: The Declaration refers to uh, inalienable rights and that those rights come from God. And by stating uh, we have these rights from God, not from the king, That actually was the justification for why they could declare independence, right? And so uh, that's really one of the most crucial points is that at the very founding, at the very time that we were declaring independence from England, we were asserting that our ability to do so was justified by the rights that God had given each of us, not the rights that came from King George III.
1: And this history lesson is all to demonstrate one thing, that under God is not a primarily
0: theological statement. Rather, it's a statement of political philosophy, which is why so many of our founding fathers and American icons have used it.
2: They knew about this tradition of limiting uh, government power using uh, references to God. And so as you mentioned, uh, General Washington during the Revolutionary War referred to uh, God in many of his different orders from camp. Then one of the most famous references is in the Gettysburg Address, which was during the Civil War, uh, perhaps our greatest crisis in our in our history and President Lincoln said, you know, that, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom.
0: This is what Beckett founder Seamus Hassan argued to the Ninth Circuit.
2: Uh, Our founder, Seamus Hassan, uh, went and argued the case in San Francisco to a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit, and he really made clear what, what was at stake and this distinction between a theological understanding of the word God and a philosophical understanding of the word God.
0: He used the phrase,
1: the philosopher's God. From Blaise Pascal, the famous French philosopher and mathematician.
2: He made a distinction between the God of the philosophers, so that's sort of almost harking back to classical times, and the God of uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob which is the theological definition. So Seamus talked to the court about it. It was quite interesting because uh, Judge Stephen Reinhardt was on the panel, and he's generally thought of as someone who's against having words like God in public space. Uh, and he was quite taken aback uh, by Seamus' argument and seemed almost stunned to think that the word God could actually have a meaning that was not purely theological.
1: After oral arguments, we waited for a decision.
2: I don't remember exactly how long, but it was one of the longest waits we've ever had. I believe it was over two years, uh, which is pretty unusual to have to wait two years.
0: When the decision finally came down...
2: It was a win.
0: The Ninth Circuit's decision was heavily influenced by Beckett's arguments. In fact, the panel referenced our argument that it's a statement of political philosophy not a theological one, when the Pledge of Allegiance refers to the words under God. So where does
1: Samantha Jones come into all this? Well, Dr. Nudo wasn't finished. Obviously, he
0: wasn't pleased with this Ninth Circuit decision. So he took his show on the road, first to New Hampshire. Beckett
1: intervened in this case on behalf of the Knights of Columbus, and this time on behalf of parents that lived in Hanover and their children who attend Hanover Public Schools.
2: They wanted to keep saying the pledge as it was. Uh, So it progressed the same way as the other case.
0: Except this time, even the district court judge knew that Newdow's arguments weren't winners, so we won without even going to the appellate court. At
1: this point, we had two court wins in favor of under God in the pledge. Maybe that's why Dr. Newdow
0: took a break and stepped away from the fight. Only for it to be picked up again by the American Humanists Association. They filed suit, this time in Massachusetts.
2: What they did is they tried to avoid bringing the case under federal constitutional law and instead wanted to invoke the Constitution of the state of Massachusetts. And uh, we did the same thing we've done before, which is intervene.
1: So now we finally get to the final round. The American Humanist Association
0: decided to try New Jersey. It seemed like a carbon copy of the Massachusetts case. The American Humanist Association and an anonymous family sued a New Jersey school for allowing the Pledge of Allegiance. But something was different about this case. Our client
3: i um, Samantha Jones. I am from South Jersey.
1: Like most kids who attend school in the U.S., Samantha said the pledge each morning at the start of every school day.
0: And for Sam, saying the pledge each morning was
3: important.
1: She was in high school when the American Humanist case made its way to New Jersey.
3: It was July of 2014 that my dad brought it to dinner to my family. Um, he went to see if we would like to get involved. Involved in the court case and immediately I said yes. I don't know why, there was just no hesitation, but I knew that I had to do it, so I just did it. (laughs) We did it.
1: She says we because this had to be a family decision. Samantha wanted to join the lawsuit to defend her rights and her classmates' rights to say the pledge,
0: but she did it because she had her family behind her too. Our faith is is everything to us. We were able to talk to Samantha's mom about the decision to join the
3: case. It's the most important thing to us, um, really above anything else, Is to keep God first in everything that we do, and in our marriage, and our family, in um, our ministry work, and our job, you know, is just keeping Christ's top priority, you know, and everything just f- sort of flows after that. So we've always instilled that in kids, and they were just raised to um, do the same.
1: The Jones family felt this case was calling to them. It was standing up for God's
0: truth, the truth of where our rights come from. And even a high school senior understood that there was more at stake than mere words.
3: If this was taken out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Under God was taken out of the Pledge of Allegiance. I think, I wonder what would happen after that. What more would the government then take away? What other rights that we have as Americans, what else will they take away from us if they take this away? Samantha was just a
1: normal teenager. Well, okay, actually, as it happens, she ended up being very persuasive.
0: Absolutely. But at first, to those outside the family, Samantha was an unlikely choice of a spokesperson.
3: I grew up shy, shy, I didn't like to talk to people because I was so shy. I didn't like people looking at me or anything. I liked to just stay stand back in the back of the crowd.
1: So Beckett had a new partner to take on the American Humanist Association, Samantha Jones and her family.
0: The case went to the Superior Court of New Jersey. For the first time, this case, this issue over the Pledge of Allegiance and our inalienable rights had a face. All the times before, it had been just names.
2: What was great about Sam is that she just really wanted to stand up for her rights. She wasn't afraid to do it, and I found that to be remarkable because, you know, sometimes you can't even get kids to, you know, stand up to some other kid who's bothering them on the playground. She was defying the court system and some fairly litigious people uh, who were, you know, working to essentially change the way that she did things in her school. So to be able to stand up against that and a bunch of essentially scary lawyers, I think, is something quite brave.
1: It was brave. If anyone has ever gone into the court of public opinion, you know that you're opening yourself up to some potentially nasty comments and accusations.
3: At first, I was just very, yes, let's do it. And then I thought about it and I was like, boy, does that mean I have to be on TV? Like, that's a scary thought and I didn't know how my classmates would
0: respond. But despite any misgivings or anxieties, she just went ahead and did it. And she was on TV, both speaking for herself and being talked about. A high school student is fighting to keep the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. Samantha Jones is her name and she's in court today.
3: The phrase one nation under God sums up the history and values that make our country great because it does acknowledge our rights don't come from the government, but from a higher power. So they can't take away the basic human rights it did not create. I was confident in the fact that what I was doing, what I was doing it for, was right. For whatever reason, I just got this strength and this confidence out of nowhere. As
1: Sam's mom put
0: it, I'm the little lamb roared. As the spokesperson for the case, Sam brought this message to the public that the pledge protects all Americans. And while she was standing up for the rights of all Americans outside the court, inside.
2: My colleague, Diana Verm, argued the case uh, for our clients. And. The court ruled the right way. And I think at that point, the American Humanist Association decided that discretion was the better part of valor and threw in the towel. We won
0: the case. And so did Samantha. She was proud of her choice to be the face of this case.
3: I think that was important because that way people were able to hear me, hear my family, see me, and understand that I'm just like everybody else, and I'm just standing up for what I believed in. And it's important for people to see, I guess, kind of a hope, almost. You can see that I'm a physical human being here, not just being trained to do this, but because I want to do this.
1: It's tempting to think, well, these cases, the groups like the American Humanist Association and people like Dr. Newdow, they're kind of anomalies. Most Americans don't care enough to pick a fight with something as familiar as the Pledge of Allegiance.
0: But really, they aren't anomalies. These cases actually represent a much broader movement to eliminate all mention of religion from society.
2: I think it was Benjamin Franklin said, it's a, you know, it's a republic if you can keep it. And the fight over the pledge is really about whether you can keep it. Uh, If there's a sort of ban under the Constitution of mentioning the word God or mentioning the idea that rights come from outside the state, eventually people are going to think that rights come from the state and eventually they're going to lose those rights.
1: The good news isn't only that we won these cases,
0: it's that there are young people out there like Samantha Jones. Samantha went on to college to be an elementary school teacher and she told us what she most wants to pass on to her students.
3: To be confident in who they are, what they believe in, and to understand how how important our rights are because America is a land of the free and I think it's important for them to know that and to really truly understand what that means. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God,
2: Invisible,
0: with liberty and in and Thank you to Samantha Jones and her mother, Michelle Jones, for participating in today's podcast, and to Beckett's own Eric Rosbach. Music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty is a nonprofit public interest law firm dedicated to defending religious liberty for all. For more information on this case, our work, and stream of conscience, visit our website at BeckettLaw.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Hannah Smith, and I'm Katie Geary. Thanks for joining us.